Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We go rumbling top speed into a brand new week here on Fantasy NBA Today, August the 21st. Just 10 days left in the month as our count up to the start of the NBA season continues and really count up to uh, we're in it. Draft season is here. I know we're still in recon mode, but fantasy draft season is really upon us at this point. And saying otherwise would be insane. And the reason that I say that is because we have ADP data. We have ADP data, ladies and gentlemen. The very first batch. And I am extremely tempted to huck our current content plan right out the window, a firm defenestration of our content plan, and instead pivot into ADP. But I'm not going to do it, because that would be all to Dan. That's been my, that's like my claim to fame, is Dan is weird, Dan is nerdy, Dan is dry, and Dan forgets what he's talking about, Because of tangential discussions. We have not quite finished our discussion of who should go at pick 8 slash 9. Depending on whether or not you assume Giannis is just going to go at 8 in most formats. He's not, by the way. With the mock drafts that I've done, it hasn't been quite so set in stone. Uh, He went at 7, 9, 8, and 10. Which... 7, 8, 9, and 10, yeah, he averages out to about 8.5, so he's generally going in that range, but it's not quite so cut and dry that people are like, oh, this is fine because of the knee or because of whatever else is going on. But for our discussions, we did basically just assume Giannis was going at 8 to open the board up for a discussion of the other players that needed to get mentioned, which was... If you've missed it, we're a few shows deep on this now. I think we did it, uh, when the hell was our first one of these? We did Dame, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant on Wednesday of last week. We talked about Kyrie and JJJ on Thursday. We talked about LaMelo Ball and Devin Booker on Friday. We've also had some mock draft bonus episodes kind of flicking in, and we'll continue to do that. I'm going to try to do three mock drafts a week here this super early in the process. As we get closer to the start of the season... I might even rev that up a little bit, but for now, I don't like. I could do it. I'm sure it'd be great for generating additional listens or views or whatever. But yeah, it's just not not entirely necessary. Uh. So anyway, today we're basically down to the last couple of names, which, according to Yahoo's pre-rank board. And this is not necessarily the way the ADPs have lined up, by the way. Their pre-rank has been, it, it certainly steers that number, but it's not a lock. Like the first, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, roughly eight-ish, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. First twelve names on the board. No, first eleven, excuse me, names on the board have an ADP that's pretty much in the order of Yahoo's pre-ranks, and then it bounces around a little bit. And not unexpectedly, Giannis's pre-rank does not line up all that great with his ADP. But again, saving that. That's 
for future shows. The names that are left that we've seen go relatively early in drafts, meaning guys that are going in this 9 through 14 range, or 9 through 16, really. The only ones, I think, that we haven't talked about yet are Anthony Edwards. And I was going to say Fred Van Vliet, but it does seem more and more like he's not going to be in that group. So... Maybe we replace him? Ah, it's not really fair. Freddie Van Vliet, Mikhail Bridges are all going in kind of that next pocket. I'm a little surprised Spida's not going in that same pocket, but he's actually gone a little bit later in that second round. But I kind of want to do maybe a little what you'd call kind of a lightning round on today's deal. With a little more time spent on Anthony Edwards than the others because it does seem like he's getting that initial push that the other names I just mentioned are not. So, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's fan- the Sports Ethos presentation. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. If you're one of our new listeners, that's this time of year. Welcome. Thrilled to have you. Distinct pleasure. I hope you'll stick with us for the long haul, which is what I'd like to be doing here. Been pretty long already, I guess. And what we covered since Wednesday was basically that the top seven is more or less locked in. In some order, the top seven is Jokic, Embiid, Luka, Tatum, Halliburton, Shea, and Steph Curry. The next nine names, if you want to call it that, are generally considered by the fantasy crowd right now a total, a total crapshoot, a total grab bag a free-for-all, whatever expression you want to use. Those names have been, as we just talked about a moment ago, Dame, KD, AD, LaMelo Ball, Kyrie Irving, JJJ, Giannis, who's likely near the top of that board, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards. That's kind of been the list. But Giannis we knocked out early. Then we did the three guys, the three older dudes that we talked about maybe even having a case to be drafted at number three, but you don't need to do that. Then we got into Kyrie, who I think belongs at the top of this list. JJJ, who's kind of a difficult case to make because of his one category dominance. LaMelo Ball, who's fun, has uh, some kind of case for that grouping. Devin Booker, who kind of doesn't. And that left us with Anthony Edwards. So this can kind of take us in a couple different directions. On Friday's show, I think I said we would do Anthony Edwards, and then we'd maybe pivot into trying to figure out any kind of order for these dudes. But perhaps what makes more sense is to talk about Anthony Edwards and then some of the guys that might creep up into that zone going forward. Regardless, we're starting with Ant, who has turned himself, by all accounts, into a bona fide superstar. The FIBA games are not slowing down that hype. However, first of all, you love the durability. Strong dude. Built like an ox. That does tend to help when you're getting bopped around in the NBA every night. But from a just straight counting category standpoint, Edwards had a very good season last year. 25 points, 24.6. 2.73s, 5.8 rebounds, 4.4 assists. 1.6 steals and 0.7 blocks. Those are all really nice numbers. 3.3 turnovers, perhaps a bit on the high side, given just the 4.4 assists. You know, one and a third to one ratio. You'd hope for something a little bit better than that. But perhaps 
hair splitting 101. The issue with Edwards this past season was that he was a very high-volume guy in basically every respect, but shot just 46% from the field and just 75.5% at the free-throw line. So when you talk about possible leaps forward, yes, you can try to factor in durability because that moved him from number 40 to number 22 in overall value last year. But that's with the big 10th category leap. I have thoughts on a few different things. But let, let's let's start with the general handicapping idea here, which, again, you, there's a few different ways you can come at this. But let, let's just try to look at it from the overall standpoint. What The question you always have to ask yourself as you're gaming out where someone might go the following year what would need to change for this particular player? And in this case, it's Anthony Edwards, so we'll, we'll make it about him. What would have to change for this particular player to leap into the area where we are now seeing him getting drafted, which is very, very early? Well, if you're going by totals, not a ton, because he's generally going somewhere near the turn. And like I said, he was at number 20, basically, 22 last year by totals. So if he stays durable, and again, I'll have some thoughts on that in a minute, but if we assume he stays durable for another year, his per game would only have to go up by, call it, seven, eight slots, something like that, and that gets him to value around the turn. But per game, that still puts him in like the 30 to 34 range, which is a pretty... It's a relatively, e- uh, I don't want to say easy, but a very doable climb for someone. Going from 40 to 33 is not that hard. It takes a little tweak. You only have to, like, sort of fix one thing. But if you're drafting Anthony Edwards on the assumption that he becomes a top 12 player per game, what would that take? And it's not that hard of a question. Actually, the question of what it takes to get him there by totals maybe is harder because there's a lot of different ways it could happen. If you're just talking totals, you could say, oh, well, you know, could he get his turnovers from 3.3 down to, you know, 2.2? And, I don't know, field goal percent goes from 46 to 48. That would probably get it done. Or a different combination. Assists go up to 5.1. And, uh, I don't know, blocks go to, like, 1.0 instead of 0.7. Is that probable? No, but there's all these different combinations of things that can happen. There's really only one way for him to go from 40 to 10 per game. And that is to fix the things that are broken. Because there are other guys that have counting numbers... Not that dissimilar from Anthony Edwards. Kyrie Irving is actually a great example to take here. I know that they're very much not the same kind of player. But Anthony Edwards was at 24.5 points. Kyrie was at 27. Could Anthony get to 27 points instead of 25? Yeah, absolutely. Kyrie was at 3.13s. Anthony Edwards was at 2.7. Is that going to happen? Maybe. Will it? Possibly. It doesn't really matter. Point is, they're not that far off. Anthony Edwards, 5.8 rebounds. Kyrie, 5.1. Kyrie, five and a half assists. Edwards, four and a half assists. 
and 1.6 steals. Kyrie 1.1. Kyrie actually beat him in blocks, 0.8 to 0.7. But the big differences here. Kyrie Irving, 49.5 from the field, 90.5 at the free throw line. He turned, if you were just going to use your wizard's wand and switch one of those players into the other, well, also Edwards played in way more games, but again, we'll talk about the durability stuff later. Can Anthony Edwards add 4% to his field goal and 15 to his free throw? The answer is most likely no. But that's really how you make that jump. I like Anthony's stat build. From accounting standpoint, he does a lot of a, a lot of things. You know, good in scoring, good in threes, good in rebounding from a, a small wing spot, great steals numbers, good defensive stats overall. It is incredibly difficult to get into that top most player conversation if you are not good in both percentage categories. In fact, you can start your way down the board. Start at the very tippy top and work your way down the board and go and go and go until you find the first player who's a negative in both of those categories, both percentages. The first player who's a negative in both is Anthony Edwards. That's absolutely insane, by the way. I didn't have that written out before I got on air. I thought there was going to be somebody else, but I was fast scanning it as we were talking here. And turns out, that's the answer. Not even sure that there's anyone all that close to being a negative in both before you get to Anthony Edwards. DeJounte Murray is like... He's still a positive in free throw shooting, though. Ant is the first player you get to that's a negative in both. Then you start. they start to pop up a bit more regularly. Kind of opens the door to it. Pascal Siakam, three spots later... Uh, Jalen Brown, who is barely a negative in field goal percent. He's pretty much a neutral there, but he's at 46. And you go and you go and you go and you go and you go, and you know, they keep popping up. Andrew Wiggins in the 60s, uh, Al Horford, but, I mean, that's like, he's basically a net neutral because he doesn't shoot ever. Julius Randle at 71. Again, they start popping up more often. But in nine-category leagues, it is really hard to be a top, 12 player if you're a negative in both percentages. So then we have to ask ourselves the next thing on the handicapping totem pole here, which is, is this a thing that happens? And the answer is barely. Rarely. Nothing's impossible. But it is pretty rare to have someone who's a negative in both magically become neutral or a positive in both. The last one I can remember, and that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the last one that actually happened, is Brandon Ingram. He was like the poster boy for this. He also managed to fix his three-pointers and steals all at the exact same moment. P.S. Uh, all of it didn't stick. But Brandon Ingram was someone who, looking back at like early Lakers tenure, he was a 68% foul shooter. He was 47, by the way, from the field. So it wasn't all bad. But then uh, field goal percent got fixed one year. He went from 47 to 50. 
Free throw the following year went from 68 to 85. I mean, that never happens. Steals went from half to one. Threes went from 0.6 to 2.4, although that year the field goal percent did also come back down a little bit. But you never see, I mean, it's so rare that you see a guy make a flying leap in steals, flying leap, free throw, flying leap, three-pointers, flying leap, all in the same offseason. It's unbelievably rare. With Brandon Ingram, that jumped him from like a top 120 player to like top 45. So yeah, I mean, big impact. But for Anthony Edwards... It's going to have to be a multi-pronged approach. And by the way, fixing both percentages in 9-cat still might not get him into that uppermost echelon because the turnovers aren't that great. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Now, it sounds like I'm yelling at you all not to draft Anthony Edwards at pick number 12. And personally, I'm probably not doing it because historically, again, you just don't see guys fix both percentages in one offseason all that often. It's not impossible, but it is incredibly rare. Now, we're seeing him become this majestic superstar leader at FIBA. Maybe that's a thing that carries over. Hard to say. Even if you say the Wolves are now his team, which it does kind of seem like they are, there isn't a whole lot more he can do from a just-have-the-ball-in-your-hands standpoint. Guy got 20 shots a game last year. So looking at it from a usage standpoint, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the big sweeping change thing that's going to catapult him up the board because he's not a point guard. So it's not like you're going to see assists go crazy. 19 and a half shots could become 20 and a half, so that's a way to move up the board a little bit. A little more usage could do the trick, but again, that big jump is going to have to come from the percentages. And if you don't fix both, then the one you do fix has to be a big jump. So like if you were saying he only fixes free throw percent, it's going to have to be that Kyrie level leap. Like go from 75 to 90 which seems extremely unlikely. Could we see him go from 75 to like 79 or 80? Yeah, I could see that happening. Could field goal percent go from 46 to 47 or 48? Yeah, I could see that happening. But those two adjustments, by the way, that I just said, 2% in field goal, 4% in free throw, that's not enough to get him into the end of the first round per game. It's not enough by itself. You need more. So 
So let's talk about the other half of this discussion, which is the durability thing. And now in the modern NBA, there is a 10th category. There is. If you're a few years there, I was kind of... Uh, I was kind of like teetering on the balance of whether or not we can really lean into this thing because there was COVID and it seemed like maybe that was part of the reason you saw the average number of games played dipping. But it does seem like it's now just sort of ingrained in the NBA. Guys are going to play about 68, 69 ball games. The biggest name players, that's their target number. If they go a little bit over that, terrific they had a particularly healthy season and maybe their team needed them to do a little bit extra if they go under that they were a little bit more dinged up so the guys that go out there that are like nah f this i'm playing 78 games this year or more those guys are special by totals they're gonna see a massive massive leap because they're a dying breed Jason Tatum getting to 74 games last year was a big difference maker in particularly head-to-head leagues, but all of them because he jumped from number 11 to number 4. He was in that uppermost echelon. Other examples of this happening. Demata Sabonis played 79 ball games. He was good at number 21. Don't get me wrong. He had a really nice fantasy season. Brooke Lopez, who played 78 games. Nick Claxton, 76. Nikola Vucevic, 82. Mikhail Bridges, a gimmicky 83. Although he only played, what, a couple of seconds in that 83rd game. Anthony Edwards, 79. He's the next name on the board there. Uh, Bam Adebayo at 75 also deserves a shout-out, as does DeMar DeRozan at 74, and DeJounte Murray at 74. So those guys see their totals values. Zoom up the board. Vooch was number five. Bridges was number six. Sabonis was number eight. Lopez. Brolo was number 10. Claxton, 16. DeMar, 18. Anthony Edwards, 22. So if you're handicapping by totals, there are a handful of players that you can kind of build in a certain small bonus bump. The problem is, of course, with handicapping for durability, it's not as easy to just put a pin in as it is to say oh well you know Anthony Edwards is going to average about roughly he was at 25 points on about 20 shots you can just say he's going to average about a 1.25 points per shot roughly small fluctuations can happen if the percentages do get better you'll see that number go up but if you give him an extra shot per game you can give him an extra one and a quarter points per game Easy peasy, friends. Easy peasy. But with games played, we really just can't know. There's too much that happens over the course, especially if he's trying to play in all 82 damn ball games. There's just too much that happens over the course of a season to where you can be like, oh, well, this guy's going to miss 5% of his team games. You can't know. That's not to say that you can't handicap for games played at all. Certain guys are more prone to turning a knee, tweaking an ankle, landing funny. Some guys just know how to land, how to take contact, how to protect themselves. It is a skill, even if it's not one you can truly develop. Some guys just have it built. 
Some guys are extremely durable to the point that they then break down. Carl Anthony Towns is a great example of that. Didn't need to play in every damn ball game. You're a seven-footer, damn it. Take a day off. But some guys are built in a way where they just can do it. Mikael Bridges seems to be that kind of player. His body, he just, when something gets tweaked, his body bounces back quickly. He lands better. He rolls better. He collides better. Is Anthony Edwards also someone like that? I would lean a little bit towards yes, but anything can happen. Catastrophe can strike. Even those that are best at withstanding contact and landing and rolling and all that stuff, even those guys can be in the wrong place at the wrong time and have someone going for a rebound land on the side of their knee, and there's just nothing they can do about it. Their leg was pointed the wrong way. Nothing they did. It happens. So yes, you can game plan for durability, and you can handicap a certain number, but the problem is that you kind of have to leave confidence intervals on either side, and with durability, the intervals are kind of wide. So I roll that all together to say, is drafting Anthony Edwards this year going to be relatively fun for your team? Probably yes. He looks like he's taking another jump forward. How that manifests itself during the NBA season, I don't want to say is anybody's guess, but you know the first thing you'd look at would be an improvement in efficiency, which is those percentages and turnovers. Does that mean there's a step forward coming? I would even say that's... I'd be more inclined to say yes than no. But is it a big enough step to get into that insane top-level group in the NBA right now who are putting up true video game numbers? I cannot possibly believe that that's going to happen. Jimmy Butler is another decent example of someone that's up in that department who's actually, I mean, you could argue maybe that profile, well, no, because Ant has taken three-pointers. Jason Tatum at number 11, could Edwards get to that level? I don't know. I mean, that's still a 10% jump in field goal and rebound and scoring. A lot needs to happen to get into that group. But the players being drafted in this zone are a mess. So if you're staring down the barrel of... Who the hell? What? Who would make you? I don't know. If you're staring down the barrel of LaMelo Ball or Jaron Jackson Jr. and you're thinking, well, maybe I'd rather go the Anthony Edwards route. I, I mean, it's not the most insane thing to do. Although, well, whatever. Let's not, let's not get too caught up in semantics there. I think he's probably going to get a little overdrafted this year. If you're going per game, if you're going by totals and he falls to 15 or 16, then you know maybe he does get there. I think there's a path to that. Not that insane one either. Small improvements across the board. Durability remains. He probably ends up at about 16 or 15. But per game? That's asking a lot. I'd be floored if his per game got above 24. So to me, he makes more sense as an early to mid or even late third if you're looking for value. And then the totals, that's how you sort of beat the ADP. But otherwise, that's a tough argument. Well, we talked a lot about Anthony Edwards right now. All right, quick speed round on some of the other guys here. Um, Donovan Mitchell, who's coming off a year where he was number 15 on a per-game basis. 
probably was about as good as you could ever imagine. Got off to that insane start. I think he was like number eight after a month, month and a half. And then not so much that he got worse, but that everyone else kind of settled in where they belonged. And he pushed down to the beginning of that second round. Uh, Spida, sure. Could he repeat it? Probably. Eh, maybe. I think the field goal percent probably does come down a little bit for him. Um, so I would look at Donovan Mitchell more as a mid-second rounder, but very, I would be very happy to get him there. Freddie Van Vliet, last year finished at number 19, uh, 16 shots per game, also 7.2 assists and only two turnovers. He's going to be tasked with leading this Rockets uh, sort of redux, now a Rockets team that's going to be trying to win ball games. Very streaky. Only missed 13 games last year, but does have a history of nagging injuries. And you'll, I think, see those crop up from time to time. Repeating last year, pretty reasonable target for him. So also a very difficult player to look at at 12-13, something in that regard. James Harden finished last year at number 17. If he gets moved to a place where he's an alpha, you could see him as someone to maybe target in this range. But I really, we really, really, really don't want him to go into, I got to get myself out of town mode because I would never touch him if he's puffy Harden. Mikhail Bridges, uh, not that dissimilar here, really, from the Anthony Edwards argument as someone who's probably a 20s or 30s per game guy, but with magical totals ability. Bridges was 31 last year. Um, I'm going to need the efficiency to stay up, even with the additional shots in Brooklyn. I think we've wiped out almost all of his per game appeal, but there is totals appeal, and I think think those were the guys I wanted to mention beyond Anthony Edwards. I think that was it. So we speed round those dudes. Next thing we're going to do on this podcast as we uh, step away for the duration. Well, no, because I think I'm probably going to do a little. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a little recon mock later on today. So you'll get it. You'll get another episode in the afternoon. Um, what I'd like to do at some point, is try to line up some of these players we just talked about because, you know, in a if you sort of close your eyes, you probably see Kyrie, Anthony Davis at the top, Kevin Durant probably hanging out right behind those dudes. Honestly, for me, as a Roto guy, Giannis is a tougher play, but I get, I understand having him kind of closer to the top than the bottom of this group. Uh, Dame is probably in that next chunk for me. I might even look at JJJ despite the the category issues there and then Lamelo, probably over Anthony Edwards over Devin Booker that's kind of the way that those those players line up and, and then you've got those other guys where you're kind of waiting on a little bit more information but we can go a little bit deeper on that at some point some show down the line here we'll get a bonus mock going later on today tomorrow we open up the ADPs and then it's time to start marking some of this stuff down so if you have a second today I would strongly advise it get this first ADP board Locked in, because as you start to see things move, then you know where they're going. Which becomes especially interesting later on in draft season, because little moves in ADP can actually signify a much larger move on the real board. Because the more data, the more ADP data that gets loaded into the Yahoo system, the harder it is for players' ADP numbers to shift. Alright, back at you a little bit later on today. Roto Mock, well, no, maybe head-to-head. I don't know. It's recon 
no matter what we do. That'll be over on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash sportsethos. Make sure to check out the Fantasy Pass over at sportsethos.com. Get the all-sport pass now for only $7 a month. It's going up to 10 in at the beginning, well, end of this month, beginning of September. That's when Draft Guide content drops. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you leave it on forever, you can have the $7 rate forever. You don't want to wait and pay 10 You can get basically two and a half extra months if you lock it in on this $7 rate for the same price. Come on, people. Don't wait around. Sportsethos.com. Go get the premium stuff. I am Dan Bespris. I'll talk to you guys on social media and again a little bit later on today. So long for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.